Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings, Chris Christopherson. You know, before they were legends of outlaw country, they were lost souls looking for their sound. Don't miss Mandy Moore and the new scripted Audible original, The Boar's Nest, Sue Brewer and the Birth of Outlaw Country Music. Discover the true untold story of the extraordinary woman behind the rise of outlaw country music and its biggest stars. Hear how one woman's vision in her tiny living room, far from Nashville's Music Row, became the epicenter of a musical movement. Mandy Moore as Sue Brewer in The Boar's Nest. Listen now at audible.com slash The Boar's Nest. Hey, it's Amy Brown here to talk about St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. For 60 years, St. Jude doctors and researchers have helped push the overall childhood cancer survivor rate from 20% to more than 80%. But we need your help getting that number to 100%. And most important, your support means that families will never receive a bill from St. Jude for treatment, travel, housing, or food. Now, that peace of mind means so much. So join me in helping St. Jude in the fight against childhood cancer. Become a partner in hope and text Bobby to 785-833. That's B-O-B-B-Y to 785 This is the year to stop overpaying for your family plan. So choose a straight talk wireless family plan. Unlimited data, talk, and text on a reliable 5G network. And you can get a new line starting at $25 per line per month for four lines, plus taxes and fees and no contracts. That's good decision making. Available at Walmart and on straighttalk.com. Family plan discount with four lines, all on the silver unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount. In times of traffic, your data may be temporarily slower than other traffic. Video streams at up to 480p. I have my dog in my hands right now. That's there he is. Either me or him. He is out of control with his chewing, and he's getting bigger, and his jaws are getting stronger. And so what used to be cute now hurts. And so now we have resorted to putting pennies in a water bottle. And every time he chews, we just I just slam it right by him. Chachong! He hates it. <laughs> We're working on it because anytime I'm like a pop him like on the butt or the nose, he's like, "All right, I see that. Let's do some more." He's a bulldog. He's stubborn as crap. So we're trying new things. But I'm holding him right now. There he is. Because he I don't want him to chew the wires under the table. Um, but we are here uh, but to talk with Brett Young. We just did the interview. He just left. And I'm going to tell you, we talk about his height in this. I just forget. And I know Brett a little bit. Um, we, you know, have done some show stuff together, radio show, performance stuff. We did Idol together. Um, but you just forget how big the dude is until you stand beside him. He's yeah. a monster. Big guy. He's a monster. <laughs> um, and we walked out and talked a little bit downstairs, which is always, um, you know, one of the good parts about it, too, because you just spend an hour talking with each other, and you're going to hear that. Um, so uh, enjoy. I'll say there are a couple music podcasts that we do I think you should check out, too, that aren't even interviews. Like, there are some good interviews you can see. If, you, if you're here, you probably subscribe. And um, if you'll write a comment, too, like you'll rate. I don't even know. You know, if you do that, I normally don't. If it's a podcast that I really love, I listen to a couple of them, and they're like, "Hey, would you mind rating us and um, writing a nice note?" I'll do it just for them. So, if we're one of those podcasts that you love to do, please do that. Be great. Um, but there's a couple of music ones where we talk about songs that you didn't even know if that's what they meant, and that's a good one. I don't know what the official title of that is. Famous songs with misunderstood meanings. It's a good one. Mm-hmm. So much so that stations have reached out to us to play that, play it on the weekend. Yeah, I enjoyed that one. I like those music ones, and always. You know, if you're tweeting me or posting on Instagram under the picture, um, let me know what you like because we'll do more of that. So we just appreciate you listening to this. Uh, Brett Young, check out the Ingrid Andrus one. Really, that's a really good one. She's a cool chick. Um, Thomas Red, obviously, is a recent one. 
And the, so, other, the other good music one is the famous songs that peaked at number two. Oh, uh, yeah. And I think we're about to do one, which is bands that have had more than one lead singer. Yeah. Like famous what, bands. Whether they went well or everybody hated them. Yeah. That's, that'll be a good one. That, so that's coming up. Uh, if you don't mind, tag us on Instagram. Put, put us on your story and tag me. I'd love that. I'll try to share some of them. And then follow the Bobbycast on Instagram, too. We're asking a lot of you. I know. But, you know, I like you. If you like me, do that. Uh, I, I'm about to head over to Amy's, my co-host, and take our son her birthday presents. So it's kind of the only night that I'm able to do that. So I'm going to head over there and do that. But you can check out Amy's podcast called Four Things with Amy Brown. You can check out the Velvet's Edge podcast if you're uh, into that the female, trendy, health, fashion, lifestyle stuff. It's called Velvet's Edge with Kelly Henderson. Um, obviously, uh, we have Get Real with Caroline Hobby over here on the network. We have The Sore Losers with uh, Lunchbox, Eddie, and producer Ray. And we got some more coming on. The, the network's probably going to grow by two or three podcasts, including uh, one that we're going to get going with Mike D here. Yeah. So, finally. Finally. I was, in message, I was like, you got to get in this, dude. <laughs> I'm gotta, ready. Got to get in this. And you'll be good at it. So, okay, well, that being said, enjoy our talk here with Brett Young. Um, yeah, I liked it. And you'll hear if he was on time or not. That's always a fun thing for me. I'm always like, let's just see <laughs> who shows up on time. I'm a big time freak. Okay, thank you guys. And here is uh, Brett Young. All right, welcome to episode 194 with Brett Young. Very punctual. I was, I was extremely impressed. I parked one minute early. Oh, did you? You sat out front of the house? Well, I actually pulled up 20, 35 minutes early. Well, you should have just come so, in. We were ready. But I, but I was hungry, and I noticed oh. that there's a nice little Mexican <laughs> restaurant next door. Oh, did you go over? Stuffed, stuffed pepper? Is that? Yeah, I don't. L, 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 no, it's L something. Anyways, yeah, I went and I was like, guys, I got 20 minutes. You need to hook me up. <laughs> you, you ate at 4.30? First meal today. You didn't eat breakfast? Do you eat breakfast? Um, I, I eat breakfast food. I rarely eat it in the morning. I mentioned how punctual you are recently on this because people will come over to the house and we do this. We've had a couple, and without mentioning names, and I feel we're so far removed from it, we had one person that was almost half hour late. <laughs> And I don't do well with lateness anyway. Mm -mm. So I, it was a, a bit of me trying to rebound and be professional. And the, the podcast ended up going great. Another one, they showed up drunk. And Mike D saw them and they like couldn't park their car. I was like, dun, 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 dun. And they came in and you can't tell on the podcast because we went back and listened to it to make sure. You can't tell? No. You can't, right? No. Well, that's great. I guess that's, I mean. And I, and I love the person and I know the person. And I was like, boy, I got to put the rails up on this one. That's a professional right there at something. Yeah, drinking. at something. <laughs> Maybe at both, at, at drinking and then being able to maintain composure while drunk. Uh. But it's always, it's always good stories because people just come over to the house and sometimes we hang out before, sometimes, you know, like you and I were just talking, you know, a little beforehand. But yeah, they showed up drunk and late, but you were here. You nailed it. I, did, I, I promise. Like I scheduled it and then I even, I even like pulled in and I was like, you got two minutes. Go ahead and like take the time to back in. Walk, walk up on time. I walked. Up, I think I've knocked on the door at five. Or actually, I didn't knock on the door. You guys were right on time. You opened it as I walked up. We're was, watching. We got cameras. At, my house has so many cameras. Isn't I, it crazy? I, you know, I was uh, watching the news. This this dude who broke out of jail. Did you see it a couple days ago? The oh, guy, I got the alert. Right. So we got the alerts on our phone, and I think he had murdered someone. A prison guard. Oh, is or, that what? Or it, like a T dot, but it was like a government employee right outside of the prison. It was just outside yes. of Memphis. So he's running around somewhere, 
And they ended up finding him because somebody's home security camera, like the, the ring doorbell camera, saw him walking across and they called the cops because of the neighbor's ring doorbell. That's literally how they got him. Mm-hmm. Right, Mike? Yeah, there was a screenshot of it. So as I'm so glad looking, I have ring at home. <laughs> as everybody's looking, and, and I have cameras like on every door here, but we, yeah, we saw you. And we get, uh, somebody's pulling up. You didn't see it, but there are um, in, invisible agents out there. Are there? Have are you there? seen, uh, speaking of that, have you watched? Rifles in the trees? No, but you know, I had Akon once on the show, and he was like, he's talking, Mike, were you with me when I had Akon on? I think so. And he was talking about how he has people, like people in trees and in the woods around his house with guns, camouflaged. Okay, well, he's also like, isn't he the one that's like, you think music probably made him a fortune, but he's like involved in diamonds and stuff, right? Probably. I think he's like, I think he's like, like he'll never rich. even touch his actual money with music money. Like music money doesn't isn't even meaningful to him. I think that's Akon. I think. Mike, we looked that up. That sounds about right. That's like Jay Leno. We're talking about him. He doesn't. He never spent his Tonight Show money. Yeah. He just spent his stand up money. He was yeah. making millions doing stand up, so mm-hmm. he just kept saving. His Tonight Show. Jay Leno could liquidate his car collection collection, and live off of it for the rest of his life. He's going to be all right. How you been? Good? Oh, man. You look dark and tan or red or something. Um, We just did... um, We... we, My poor wife. I mean, anybody that that marries or or dates somebody that does what we do, um, you have to like kind of pick and choose in time when you can do things. And, uh, and so we, we, we really wanted to do a baby moon. I didn't know what that was, the last kind of hurrah before the baby's born. And we had to plan that around a trip, but it was only like a couple days. So we got like a couple days, and then that was in July. We went to uh, this montage property uh, in Palmetto Bluffs, which is like just outside of Savannah, kind of between Charleston and Savannah. Beautiful. But we only got like two days. And so I said, babe, your, your, your birthday's coming up in another month and we'll be on the West Coast and you've been wanting to go to this property in Santa Barbara. So let's make that the extension of the baby moon and your birthday. So even though we've had to cram it in, I've gotten to be like out by the pool a couple times on, you know, we've had to do them all midweek days because we're on the road in the, on the weekends. But um, it's the first year in like five since I've been in Nashville and in this kind of lifestyle that I've actually been like, whoa, I'm laying by a pool in the summertime. Are you a it's, pool guy? I mean, I'd rather be at the ocean. Oh, you're a beach guy. Yeah, I mean, I grew that up. Makes sense. Though. I grew up five minutes from Huntington Beach, so um, my parents. We didn't even do boys and girls club. We they would drop me off at the beach at eight o'clock in the morning, go to work. My mom would get off at three and come pick me back up. I'd either surf or lay on the beach or, you know, throw the football or whatever. I'd just be at the beach all day. So you were in surfing culture. Yeah, I was so bad at it though. Really? <laughs> as good of an athlete as you ended up being. Yeah, I think. I don't know, like sometimes as an adult, I wonder if I should go back and see again because I was growing so rapidly while I was surfing. And, you know, the culture where I grew up was you don't longboard, you shortboard. No idea but what that means, Brad. I'll be honest. The big longboard like they ride okay. in Hawaii where they like, they walk to the nose and they walk back or the tiny little pointed shortboard. The belly board. They're very different. Like the shortboard is like they they do all the acrobats. Oh, so they're moves both on. surfing boards. They're both surfboards, you're, yeah. You're not talking about the one with you boogie board? That's not what you're talking no, no, about. No, no, no. Right. No, boogie boards weren't allowed where I came from. <laughs> is that too, too Oh, it was too like, get out of our ocean, yeah. Okay, all right. But uh, again, that wasn't me. There were a lot of great surfers. I played baseball, basketball, football. Football, I also surfed. Um, so I was outgrowing these shortboards. It's very specific to your height. Like they need to be able to carry your weight. And like, so I was growing so much. I would go from like, this board's a little too big to like four months later, it's so too small for me that it's kind of sinking underneath me when I stand up. I just got kind of frustrated with it. And none of my friends 
rode a big longboard that just kind of floats you no matter what you do. And you just cruise. You don't do tricks or anything. And so anyways, long story short, I'm like, I play three sports that I'm really good at. And uh, I like laying on the beach or body surfing without any sort of instrument or board. And uh, I just stopped surfing. when I Body surfing? Just with no? Yeah, you just paddle into the wave. You've seen those guys. You like paddle in and then you just kind of... I you never know. knew that was really a thing. Yeah, it's I actually thought maybe you just surfed on like a, I guess a boogie board. Everything is a boogie board in my head. <laughs> Everything is a boogie board. That's like a, that's a t-shirt. Everything is a boogie board in my head. <laughs> How tall are you? Six six. Really? Yeah, I. You know what's so funny? I, I bet you the people that work with me are so tired of this, but people always comment they walk into meet and greet and i don't know for whatever reason i guess a picture is a picture so you just don't notice it but my meet and greets at every show consist of 90 percent of people going whoa you're way taller than i thought and so i started saying i had nothing to do with it because <laughs> i didn't and uh it's it's just funny that like i guess i guess people assume that you must not be i don't know well, why well i mean tall i'm tallish i'm over six foot Tall would be about six two, six three, like really tall. Yeah. But then you're just abnormal, and you're not just tall. You're also just a, like a big, strong guy. And so I think because your body is proportionate to six six, that you'd look pretty normal sized in pictures. That's yeah. a good thing. Yeah, and it's I don't even have long legs either. I have a, a I mean, kind you're not of a Sean strange. Bradley. You, you, <laughs> yeah. No, me and Manute, we don't yeah. have anything in common. Um, your parents big? Your folks big? My dad's six two. My mom's five three, five four. So six six doesn't make a whole lot of sense, um, but I, I kind of blame it on the like, guy was a glutton. I was kind of a like a chunky kid. I kind of and and because I had a healthy appetite before I grew, I probably ate like all the pizza and all the steak yeah. and all the things but that's that got have no, hormones. That's got no hide in it, though. I mean, the hormones are hormones. We we do have way more harm, we, we have way more hormones in our food than we used to back in the day. And I think I was a guy that like if I could fit it in my mouth while I was still chewing, I was shoving it. But I always used to make a joke with girls. I'd be like, you know, I like you so much. You like being at a pizza party and not wanting to walk away from the pizza because you want to make sure you get full. Like, I like you so much, you make me want to stand by the pizza. That was like a joke I would have with girls in high school. And like, it never worked, by the way. But that was true. I was the fat kid that like at a pizza party would stand by the pizza till I was full in fear that it would run out. When did you start to become, I don't know, uh, athletic shaped? Yeah, the shape was, the, the athletic ability was there before the shape came or the height. I got cut from eighth grade basketball. And I played varsity my sophomore year, two years later. So you developed that much in two years. Yeah, I think I, I think this is a guess. It's close. It might not be perfect. I think I was five nine or five ten in eighth grade, but slow and overweight. Um, and I think I started freshman year six one, six two, because I was six three sophomore year playing varsity. So yeah, I sprouted and, and it wasn't even, it was like awkward thinned out those two years, but it made me quicker because I wasn't carrying the weight. Yeah, right. You know, so I was, because uh, we do a lot of our research here, a lot of heavy research and we found all of your old stuff that you scrubbed from the internet. Oh no. I'm just kidding. We couldn't find any of it. It's just crazy. There's, we found a YouTube. Mike, what do we find? Just a YouTube? A live him? version. A live it. version, but otherwise they've taken your entire early discography off. Um, there's just a YouTube of Fly. Because in 2007, you put out an EP. There's a YouTube of Fly? Oh, you didn't know it was still up? No. Yeah. It's mine. That's I a went very old song. I recorded it on my 
flip cam. Did you really? No, no. (laughs) Have we known each other that long? No, we definitely haven't. (laughs) But your 2007 self-titled EP is completely off the internet. Why? Is it... Is it goth rap? I think, no, I th- no, I think it's pretty normal for like a, you know, I, I put out seven projects before I got my record deal. I was doing this for almost 11 years before I got my deal. And I think it's pretty normal now. I, at the time I was like, why? Same, like you're asking. I think it's pretty normal for them to want to control the branding when they, you know, make an investment like they do whenever they sign an artist. And, um, uh, no, I'm not. I'm proud of all of it. I think my songwriting was a lot weaker back then, but that's normal. Right. You know, that was, I mean, that was 2004, 15 years ago. Yeah, it's crazy, huh? It, it's I, a like, different like, lifetime the, probably. Oh my gosh. When when I say it out loud, it's like, I can't even believe that was happening then. Well, what's kind of your story on getting here? So you're a California kid. Did you do the California, just do all the shows in California and then finally decide I've just kind of exhausted this. I need to go. Yeah. What what was that for you? No, that's exactly it. Um, I I, I hit this weird um, kind of ceiling where I was the only one of my friends that was making a living playing music. Problem was I was playing other people's songs and they were four-hour cover gigs where I had to wear like a suit and tie to play this nice hotel lobby. And you, you... at the beginning of it, you're like, you look around at your buddies and you're like, yeah, you're jealous because I'm making money playing music. And then you go, nothing about this is fulfilling anymore. Nobody's really listening. And even when they do care, it's because they like that song that you didn't write and have nothing to do with, you know? And uh, I was I was playing Montage Beverly Hills every Wednesday night, four hours, eight to midnight. And uh, had to had to wear like dress clothes, you know? And uh, this guy came through. Uh, he's become one of my best friends. He was best man at my wedding. Uh, he comes through, and he, he's from Atlanta, but he's he's staying in the hotel, and he hears it, and he's just sold a company, and he just turns around, and he kind of goes, I have friends in Nashville. Why is this not connecting? Why, like, why are you still here, basically? And I just went, you know what? I don't know. I, I, I might be done with this. I've, I've been doing this in L.A. for 10 years. I, I've never had a meeting. I've, I've watched Jimmy Iovine who's living in the hotel at the time, walk back and forth in front of me multiple times every Wednesday night and never even stop and listen. So I don't know, good question. I said, I think I think I need to either change something or maybe it's money. Maybe I need to go make a studio record, like a real record. And he goes, well, I just sold a company. I know some people in Nashville. Why don't we, let's get you out to Nashville. Let's get you out. I was bartending on my off nights. I was gigging about four nights a week, bartending the other three. He goes, let's get you out from behind the bar. Let's take those other three days a week for you to start writing songs more aggressively. And uh, within a year, he had me moved out to Nashville. And um, I got to Nashville and I got intimidated like I think everybody does. I went, everybody here is incredible. What am I going to do here? Even the people that haven't made it are incredible. Incredible. Walk down Broadway. It's not like one guy per bar. It's every bar has three floors. All of them have a stage. And every guy on every stage deserves to be on the radio. Like, who am I? And so I literally got here thinking I was coming here to make it. Once I got here, I went, nope, I'll, I want the writing side of this. I want to write for people. So I actually signed with song pluggers to have my songs pitched to other people. I, I gave up on artistry within a couple months of being here. Really? Going, I'd rather be the songwriter because this is intimidating. And then, uh, you know, you pitch, to, you pitch to the labels and you you know, who's cutting, which artist needs songs. And they kept going, this is a good song, but who's the demo singer? And I, I ended up 
wanting to get cuts on other artists and ended up having walking into these rooms with my acoustic guitar by myself to play for all these record execs that want to know who the demo singer was. So that's how it came about for you is you were writing songs, singing the demos, and so many people were attracted to that sound. They were like, hey, we'd like to see who this guy is. Mm -hmm. so which, was, which was the opposite of why, that was why it didn't work in LA. You don't sound like anybody else. We don't know where to put you here. Then I get to Nashville and everybody's like, you don't sound like anybody else. This is fantastic. Yeah, right. I mean, it's just a, such a funny dichotomy because it's like, I could have literally just stayed in LA forever and been told, you, we, can't, we don't know what box to fit you in. Whereas in Nashville, it was, wow, this will, this will stand out. How long from when you moved to town until when, uh, to when you started to get considered as, a, as an artist? Like when you're talking about these meetings. I had my first meeting. I had my first um, who's singing the demo, bring him in to sing for us meeting at about 10 months of living in town. And I had my record deal within 14 months. Of you moving to town? Mm -hmm. Boy, that all moves pretty quick then, huh? It feel, and I, again, when you, it's always funny. Like, looking back, that feels like a really long time ago. But that happened really fast. I mean, I didn't even find those song pluggers for five or six months. And then four months with them, and I'm having meetings, and then, you know, six more months or five more months or whatever it was, I've met with Jimmy Harnon six times, and now there's a deal offered. But I'm, I had my deal with Jimmy before, like, Scott was out of town. Borchetta was literally out of town and went, Jimmy, you're wearing me out about this kid. I'm not back, but if you're that sure, I trust you. Go ahead. So I'm, I actually didn't meet Scott until after Jimmy offered me the deal. That's how quick it moved when it happened. Was there a song that you ended up cutting for yourself that was one of those songs you were pitching that people are like, okay, what's this about? Like, what, what was one of those? Yeah, so uh, I think th there were actually, I had three songs from the first record already before I got my deal. But the one that, that if you ask Jimmy Harden, that got me signed uh, ended up being my third number one record. Um, it's a song called Like I Loved You that I wrote with a, a girlfriend of mine in town, Jesse Lee. And we wrote that. It was one of the first rights those song pluggers got me on to like try to be a songwriter. And uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't the easiest right on the planet. It was, you know, we, her and I had never met. And, and so you do a lot of, uh, you know how this goes. Like you do a lot of feeling each other out before you actually get to work. Right. And it ended up, you know, most rides are three, four hours. And this one was like a six and a half hour day. But I went in and with my investor that I had before I signed my deal, and we went in and did an EP of this song. That we also was one of the ones we had to pull down. Like you said, all the old stuff's gone. Uh, because when I played it acoustic for Jimmy Harden, he, he, he still claims that's the song when he went, I can make a record on this kid. So you, you recorded this song as a demo, hoping that someone else will hear it though and pick it up? Yeah. After you cut it on your EP, but then you're kind of repitching it. Yeah. The EP was just a means of, I mean, nowadays with like downloads and streams and stuff, it was just another income stream while we were trying to figure it out. We knew that if any song that ever got picked up by another artist to get cut, we would pull down. We, I, I mean, I didn't have enough social media following to like, it wasn't going to like make a mark on the industry. We could pull it down and everybody would forget about right. it. Um, so yeah, I mean, we were, we were still recording songs because why not have, at the, at the time, if you have an investor who's, you know, risking money on you, you should have every, I was college touring like crazy. I would, I would fly out just me and my guitar, rent the smallest, cheapest car I could get in like Fargo and then play seven colleges in eight days and end up in North Carolina and then fly myself home. You would just drive the entire trek. Uh-huh. I would pick up one car and f like, I really, I do remember the, the Fargo 
trip that ended in North Carolina where I played seven shows in eight days. And I just, you know, that's the cheapest way to do it. A cheap flight to Fargo, the tiniest car. And I'm, again, we just said I'm 6'6". Six, six. It was like a Ford Focus, but like, I don't fit in that. <laughs> you know, that's, that's, that's lower back and hip pain every day. But I was, I was so concerned with, I've always been this way too. Like if anybody's like taking a chance on me, I want to make sure that I'm respecting what they're investing. And so, um, you know, that was part of making these EPs at the time. Like I said, we had already tried to transfer over to the songwriting side of things. But if you have a song that you think will sell or stream, might as well have an income stream there. We called it turning on all the faucets. Right. And hopefully uh, you're getting some water from somewhere. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. I, I have other um, friends that had people, when, when they were broke, invest in them and go, hey, let me help you out here. Let's get started. How, how, are you still, is that guy still part of the Brett Young enterprise? Uh, yeah. I mean, I don't know if, if, if you heard what just happened with my clothing company, but um, w when I signed my record deal, I also signed a publishing deal with Big Machine. And, and part of what you have to do is um, when you go from owning your publishing to going into a co-pub deal, um, you can't you can't keep the same publishing name. So I had like whatever it was, Brett Young Publishing or whatever. Um, you need to come up with a new name to go into a joint venture for publishing. And so I came up with this name, Calliville. Um which is I'm from California, California, moved to Nashville. Nashville right? Yeah, that's it. And, and, and it was, that's all it was. But then I kept seeing it on contracts as we were doing stuff. And I was like, that's just a really cool thing. And I, I had this buddy that was, you know, had a company where he was making hats and t-shirts and sweatshirts. And I was like, hey, you want to just throw this on some hats, see what happens? We started putting it on hats. And before we could put it on sale, they were getting stolen off people's heads in bars in Nashville. Well, just a couple of weeks ago, we announced that like we're, we, we just got bought out by Kohl's. So we're starting in October, like they're the exclusive retailer for Caliville in, in the country. And, uh, you know, my investor that, like I said, he became best man at my wedding. Like he, we've since him and I are whole on his initial investment. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Praise God. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, and he was, he he was so gracious about how long it took. It took a, it took a minute. Um, but yeah, he's my business partner on Caliville. So um, he's, he's somebody that, like I said, went from somebody that just kind of believed in it and wanted to help to being, you know, one of my best friends and the best man at my wedding. And so, um, yeah, we're, I mean, we'll be, we'll be tied together in business and in friendship for a really long time. How's that going, by the way, the wedding? You're, you're about to have a baby, huh? Oh, when it's it, so close. When is that? Yeah, right? Like it's in the next couple of weeks? Uh, no, no, no. Don't rush me, Bobby. Okay, my bad. Go ahead. When are <laughs> no, you, we, we're, we're middle of October, so I got about two months. And how are you um, feeling about that? I'm, man, I'm so excited. Are you I, ready, though, or are you, you anxious? What's the one, if you got one feeling? You know, I am. I'm, I'm ready and excited. Um, I guess, like, if, if there was a, because I'm not, I'm not nervous. But if, if I'm being honest, the one concern that pops into my head every once in a while is just that, like, both me and my wife had the best example set by both of our sets of parents. Just we, neither of us would have changed anything about our upbringing or our parents. And that's a blessing. Not everybody can say that. And we both know that. And so it, the bar is set very high for us in both of our heads. And so um, this is a, this is a strange industry to raise a child in. And I know people are successful in it on a regular basis. A lot of my friends are doing an amazing job raising children and bringing them on the road and, and, um, I just want them to, I want to make sure I do everything I can to make sure that they have an experience like I did, even though our lifestyle is so different than mine was growing up. So 
Whew. Yeah, but a baby. It's about to be just a complete. You should see how pink my house is. <laughs> and it's a girl. It is a little girl. Have, have yeah. you have you announced the name yet? No, we don't know yet. Are you, have you um, got a limited down? Have you, yeah, we're really close. I think we're down to three. And where did you get these names? You don't have to reveal what you're at. But what, it's I, a combination of like. Uh, it's one of them, Callieville. No, one of the names of the baby, Callieville. No, can you imagine is if we did Coles? that to her? Yes. Yeah, can you imagine if we did that? It'd be like, was it was I first or was the brand <laughs> first? Um, no, uh, it's, it's a collection of. Um, working off of like family names that have been around for a little while, um, but also just um, like something fresh and different that we don't think is out there yet. Um, but I think in all honesty, I, I think it's three. It might be two. We might have we checked another one off the other day. Um, but I, I don't know that like anything's off the table. And I think we're to the place now where we're so close that we want to look at her first. You know, she might not get her name until we see her at this point. So little Khaleesi... We'll only get the name once you put eyes on her. <laughs> That's it. Ah. This festival and concert season will be all about the boots, and Tacovas is your next stop before attending your next concert. Tacovas has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring. You're talking about men's boots, women's boots, um, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tacovas boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition, timeless style, always on trend. And Tacovas has first wear comfort, little to no break-in period. Like, it's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Plus, direct consumer pricing keeps the value on your feet, the money in your pocket. So stop by your local Tacova store. Have a complimentary drink. Shop the new styles. You like the smell of leather or no? I love it. Yeah. That's what the whole store basically is. Fresh leather. Yep. Friendly staff. Or like the smell of staff? <laughs> I don't know. I guess I'm sure they smell good there. Many stores have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. What a gift, too. Regular live music and events, there is no in-store experience like this. If you can't make it to a store, just visit tecovas.com. T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. T-E-C-O-V-A-S. Yeah. Yeah. Tecovas.com. Find your new favorite pair of boots today. Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings, Chris Christopherson. How do the biggest names in outlaw country start a musical revolution? Through one woman's vision from one tiny living room. Don't miss Mandy Moore as Sue Brewer in the new scripted Audible original, The Boar's Nest. Sue Brewer and the birth of outlaw country music. Discover the true untold story of the extraordinary woman behind the outlaw country music movement and its biggest stars. Brewer shaped the sound and soul of country music as we know it today, despite never picking up an instrument herself. Lovingly dubbed as the Boar's Nest, Sue's place was an intimate staging ground where a new breed of singer-songwriters, wounded souls, wayward upstarts, that's where they would spur each other and tap into something bigger and something realer. Starring Mandy Moore and featuring Eben Moss Backrack as Shel Silverstein and TJ Osborne as Johnny Cash alongside a full ensemble cast. Audible invites you to enter the Boar's Nest and experience the rise of a musical revolution. One woman, one time, one place. The Boar's Nest. Sue Brewer and the birth of outlaw country music. Listen now at audible.com slash the Boar's Nest. Hey, it's Bobby Bones. I just want to say thanks to everybody who has stepped up for the kids at St. Jude. St. Jude's been leading the way in the world's best survival rates for some of the most aggressive forms of childhood cancer. Your support means that families never get a bill from St. Jude for treatment or travel or housing or food. So the families can focus on helping their child live. And that really hits home for me because I've been to St. Jude many times. I've hung out with the kids, played music for the kids. I was in the hospital a lot as a kid. Now, I didn't have cancer, but if it wasn't for people stepping up, I don't know that I would have been able to go and stay in the hospital and be taken care of. So that's why we do this, to take care of others. 
You can help St. Jude stop childhood cancer by becoming a partner in hope. When you do this, you'll get this awesome new This Shirt Saves Lives shirt. So join all the doctors and researchers, you know, and me in this fight and just text the word Bobby to 785-833. It's only six numbers, but text the word Bobby to 785-833. I want to run through some of your songs. Uh, Sleep Without You. Here you go. You got five number ones in a row. What is First one? This was the first one. Yeah. Justin Ewok and Kelly Archer on this song. So this what's an expectation for you with the first single? They're going, all right, we're gonna put the song out. Is it number one or bust? For me it was. Yeah. I would have never said that out loud. I think I always like knock on wood or you know, with stuff like that. I, it's like I, I joke with people all the time. It's like if you put something out there, that's almost the same as like leaving LAX. You've just arrived in Los Angeles on a Friday at like 4.30 p.m. And you pull out of LAX and you go, oh, there's no traffic. You've just asked for traffic. Like pretty much you've just doomed yourself to traffic. Um, and so I kind of feel the same way about stuff like that. It's like, hey, it's really moving up the charts. I'll be like, knock on wood. Don't say that. Just shh, you know. Um, but but yeah, I think at my age and and with the fact that I wasn't really pursuing the artist career anymore, I thought, you know, if, if, I'm, if this is something that's going to happen, um, let's let's start it off with a bang so that I can you know really wrap my head around where this thing is going and it and it did and it was a song that I had written about my parents relationship um, so it was personal to me so it it lit a fire in me when this song started having success um, that enabled me to not just get excited again about being an artist but like get passionate about it did you take the song and play it for your parents before you put it out like hey I wrote this for you guys no you know what's so funny for whatever reason, I wanted to keep the story behind it and kind of, because if it didn't do well, I didn't want mm. anybody to feel like, hey, the song about you like tanked, <laughs> you know? Um, so they probably, the first time they heard that this was about, and I, I don't know if you've heard me tell the story, but it literally was this one night, my dad's a pastor. And uh, there was this one night in high school, um, I walked in at curfew, which was like, for me, it was midnight on game days. So like probably, a, it was probably a Friday night basketball game. I'm sure it was because my mom was away for a women's retreat for the weekend. But my dad went to bed like 9, 9.30 growing up. I walk in at my curfew probably a little early. Like you said, I'm punctual. And my dad's sitting in his bathrobe in the recliner watching Sports Center. Well, if you know Sports Center, you know that that program runs for an hour and then starts over. Well, if my dad goes to bed at like 9, 9.30, he's been watching that episode <laughs> over and over since 9. So I walk in and I'm like, Dad, what are you doing up? And he goes, it's just weird, you know, after at the time, X amount of years, probably at the time, married for 20 years. After 20 years of being married to your mom, it's still hard to sleep in our bed when she's not here. And that, that, that memory never left me. So when we started the title, Sleep Without You, didn't come from that. But once we had that title, it brought me back to that. So I was inspired by that moment that I remember from being 18 years old and a senior in high school. So it, yeah, it turned, into, it turned into this thing that was uh, you know, kind of the song that kicked things off. Yeah, what a good story. I like that. I hadn't heard that before. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think they didn't, I don't think my dad knew that that resonated the way that it did. And again, I was 18 then and I wrote this song at 31. So, I mean, it was years and years later where that popped up. That was obviously something that stuck with me. All right. Here's the next one. In case you didn't know. In case you didn't know. Baby, Is this the one that sang the loudest to you in shows? Back? Yeah. Because if I were um, on a show, I'd be singing this one loudest back to you. It is. Yeah, it is. It is. It's top three. 
Um, before Mercy, it was definitely the loudest. And we have this kind of interesting cultic thing happening with the post-chorus on here tonight, right now. Um, they don't sing it, they kind of scream it, so it gets pretty loud. But um, I think this is the one that makes people feel the most. Um, this is when the flashlights or lighters come out. Uh, this is when, like, I notice, like, I'll, I'll I'll look and a guy will grab a girl to slow dance, and I'll be like, the only reason he's even at my show right now was for this moment to slow dance. He bought her this ticket to dance with her. Like, he might be proposing tonight, he might not, but like, he he knew he was like picking this moment. Um, I think it is the the most intimate, tender moment of the set every night. Where do you put the song in the set list? Right in the middle. Oh yeah, yeah. You're not going anywhere. You're you're at least waiting till the middle. <laughs> Like I Love, dude. We talked about that a little bit. Let's play this again. So you go, it's just a two, you just two of you write this song? Yeah, just me and Jesse Lee. Look yeah. That's made a little, little kick, a little cash. Yeah, that was, that, a good, that was a good one on the, good on the writer publishing <laughs> side, yeah. And when I hear uh, just a co-write or a single, I'm like, oh boy, he did all right on that one. Yeah, that was, that was, uh, that was and, 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 and I think her second number one, she had just had Peter Pan with Kelsey Ballerini right before that. Um, yeah, we like I'm I'm always the passionate one in the room. When something comes up that I have feelings about, I get real fired up. And this whole idea of like somebody being able to break up with you and then still want to be your friends came up in conversation. And again, it was the first time we met. Man, she got pissed. <laughs> like Jesse was fired up and I went, I I actually don't think I've ever seen somebody more passionate in a writer's room than me. So that is definitely the song we have to write. And we were already four hours in thinking we were gonna call it a day. Uh, and it fell out in like an hour and a half. So were you working on a song already and this is an idea that hit and you pivoted? Yeah, we were working on like 15 that weren't working out at that point. Right. Um, it went from like get to know you to try to write a song to back to just get to know you some more. And it came out in conversation. But when I saw her get fired up, I was like, let's tap into that. Whatever that is. Let's, and it's, I mean, it is, it's an angry song. And that's what the get to know you part is. You're kind of milking. You're kind of mm -hmm. milking it to see when does the milk actually come out? Yeah. Where, where, that milk where do we comes, connect? Yeah, like that's that that's the moment. Mm -hmm. That's cool. Mercy. Let's do this one. That was another two-way right. Yeah. You and Sean McConnell. Boy, he is good, huh? Like if you've never gone to a Sean McConnell show, um, you're missing out. Yeah, he is good and and writing and performing. Like just just I'm a fan of that guy. Incredible. Um, just me and Sean, and uh, at the time he was writing for Warner. And I went over there and they had forgotten to hold a room for us. So I show up and they're like, well, uh, we got the rooftop. And you know, they got that open air rooftop over at Warner and it was midsummer and it was so hot. <laughs> and there's wasps flying around cause all their furniture out there is wood. And I'm like, oh, and I'm, I'm already a big fan of him and his artistry. And um, at the time the label was asking for tempo because we were ready to close the record. They just wanted more up tempo. And I told Sean that and he was basically like, I, I don't really care about that. <laughs> and we, that was the first time we met too. And it was, it was a get to know you. And it wasn't even a concept. I just said the word mercy. And he goes, I'd love to chase that down. And he just started playing. Do you, do you play it on keys or do you, are you playing with the guitar? You just him and an acoustic. I, I had put my down at that point because we were just talking and he just started strumming through this chord progression. And he started, Sean, Sean's, so good at everything but he like leans on these melodies and he started kind of humming along to that and we just started plugging words into it i mean it, it was like most of what he was doing initially instinctively ended up being the the music and melody behind mercy you know that's an interesting thing too that 
people may not know with the songwriting. Like I have some friends that are, they will build a melody and then plug words, and some people that will go with lyrics and kind of string them together and then build a melody afterward. Right. Um, like I've been able to spend some time with Nicole Galleon, and and she'll build she'll build a melody. She'll hear some music and just be like, then you just. I've never been around someone who is so good at that. And you mentioned that. Are you a melody guy where you make a melody over music and then insert words later? Or will you go in and go, all right, these are my words? I, I'm, I'm a words guy. Um, the story and the lyric is paramount to me, um, which is why I, I pick my co-writers to complement that in me. I pick music and melody people. Right. Um, it's right. If you look at track listing on both records, you're going to see John Knight all over the place. Because melodically, like what he does is not only fantastic, but it's it's what I it 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 follows all the things that I would do, or wish I would do, or it sounds like the music I would listen to as a music fan. I mean, he just uh, I've taken on two albums combined. I've taken four outside songs, and he's been a writer on all four of them. Oh yeah, um, and then I mean, he has he's a writer on seven of the twelve songs on my new record. Um, so. If I can find somebody, and John's also a great lyricist, but I gravitate towards his melodic inclinations. And so I, I, it's all words for me. If I can find somebody with a great melody and somebody that they pair well with music, let me, what do they call it in LA? Top lining? Yeah, right. Give me the track and let me write words to it. Um, I, that's where, I think that's where I'm the best. Um, but, I, but in this town, everybody has different skill sets and, and sometimes you got to pivot and kind of figure out where you, where you fit in. And, and, and I think I'm... I think I'm pretty good at reading the room and, and where I'm actually going to have strengths and weaknesses. But in a perfect world, if I got a melody guy and a music guy and you just let me kind of stick to the lyric, that's when I'm the happiest. Let's do one more here tonight. We can just stay here in this minute, lose our track of time. What's, your, uh, what's on you close with? We, it used to be here tonight. Okay. Um, we just, um, because we've been playing a lot more headlining shows lately. Um, we moved here tonight to the end of the regulation and then we walk off stage and then we come back and encore um, and we encore with Mercy and Ticket to LA, the title track. Um, only because the way that we uh, the way that we finish here tonight is kind of like a it's kind of an unresolved like kind of trash candy on the drums type thing. Whereas uh, Ticket to LA when we finish we've like we've re-introed the outro. So like we I finished the song. And then the band rips back into the intro while I walk off. So it's kind of a little more dramatic yeah. exit. Um, but yeah, up until about two weeks ago, we were finishing with Here Tonight. Um, and and for the first two years, we were finishing with Sleep Without You with an extra outro for me to walk off to. So I think, it, I mean, for us, it changes. You know, it, it, one of the best feelings is having multiple singles now because you build your show around your singles. You know, you don't want anybody to go anywhere. So you kind of spread them out. Um, and we finally got to a place where we were like, we can put Sleep Without You earlier in the set, finally. Um, Which has got to be pretty cool, too, to be able to put some more heat up just in, all through the set. It feels great. Or people aren't just sitting there waiting for the big hit. Like, you got a bunch of big hits, so we yeah. got you. Yeah, it's, it, that, that's, that is a, I, I remember being jealous of everybody I opened for at the beginning of, like, you know, the first year or two. I'd be like, man, I recognize every song you play in your set. That must feel great, <laughs> you know, to not have to fill half of it with covers just so people know what you're singing. And we're to a place now where, I mean, we could, if we have a half hour set, we just, you know, we just did CMA Fest recently. Six songs. Well, I have six singles. It was the best feeling on the planet. Right. I played all radio singles for 30 minutes. It was an incredible feeling. 
And, uh, and yeah, when you have an hour, 15, hour and a half, you have to kind of strategically spread them out. But it's been cool. We, I mean, we start with Catch, my current radio single, Dark Stage. We start, we just rip into the first single. And it's like, we used to have to kind of wait to tease those. And now it's like, no, let's go for it. You know, and it's, I think for everybody, make them wait, but make, don't make them wait at the beginning and don't make them wait. Don't, don't make them like left wanting at the end, at least not too much. And, uh, and yeah, so it's been great. I, I hired a really close friend of mine, uh, who's my music director now, who's really conscious of not only spreading the singles out, but also like the, the you know, the way the energy moves in the set and key changes and things that I don't think about at all because. So you let your music director build the set for you. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I mean, I have veto power, but I, he, I mean, he knows me so well. And for so many years, I, I veto powered, I don't never have to pull it. I'll just be like, Hey, is there any way this is all perfect, but it's 17 songs. Could like, could you flip these two and still make it work? And sometimes he can, sometimes he can't, but it's always like a collaborative conversation, which I really appreciate. Let's play a little bit of catch. This is the, the single right now. Can't you buzz? Can't you gain? Can't you beat the boys? The same old thing. Can't you care? I was watching, because we had the same PR team. And I was watching, um, you work with Christy or Time? I mean, Christy, both. but both, yeah. Okay, so Christy, me, me too. Uh, Christy had on hers, I think you had like blown your voice. And I, 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 she posted it and I was like, oh man, I've been there. Like that's, that's that most helpless feeling. And she was like, "Yeah, he's bummed." I was like, "Yeah, it's it's, it's a bumming thing when what you're paid to do and what everybody can, you can't do it." Yeah, it was. I was brokenhearted. We were um, out with Kelsey Ballerini, and it was the second to last weekend, and I had an amazing sound check. And then I, after sound check, I went and worked out and like my normal daily routine. And uh, I even sat down an hour before the show with my music director who I was just talking about to like run through. We had an idea for a, a, um, a cover medley of a bunch of songs that we were running through, which we're doing in the show now. Voice felt great. Now we're like 40 minutes from showtime. Voice is feeling great. Had a good workout, had a great day. I went and showered up, got changed. And I sat down in my, the front lounge of my bus. And now we're like maybe 20 minutes from the show. And my wife walks out of the back and asked me a question. I went to answer it. And it was like this like gravelly, um, scratchy, voice that so I you didn't was feel like, the, <clears throat> it just, no. it just, you were just talking and it was, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't that I have to clear my throat thing. It was the weird, I've never felt, it has to be allergies still. I thought I was so sick. I was like, what happened? Did I blow out a vocal cord? Like this is, I've never, and I was like, you know what? I've been through this before. I grabbed out my little, like uh, uh, my inhaler, uh, like the steam inhaler thing. I'm like, let me just hit this real quick. It's going to be all right. Did the normal like lemon honey whiskey, took a quick shot before I went out. I'm like, I'm going to be all right. And I went out to sing and we opened with catch and I, I literally couldn't, you know it's bad when you can't reach the key of the verse. I wasn't even in the chorus yet. And I had to stop the music and apologize to everybody and be like, guys, this happened in, this transpired in 20 minutes. I have no idea, but it, and it didn't come back for three days, but it came all the way back and it's never happened since. So that night where you, it was, you were playing second, right? Yeah. So did Kelsey come on early? Did she play extra? They, pu they pushed her set up earlier, yeah. And uh, she rocked it. And um, I, I, the first thing I did was go to my booking agency and go, guys, um, I, I, know that, I, know, I know financially we're going to take the hit here. That's fine. I don't care about that. Um, we need to find out which fans are, like, you know, raising a stink about this and let them know straight up their ticket will be honored 
and we need to put together some sort of show or free show or whatever it is um, back in that city. And uh, and so I think we've got a couple of dates held for that. I mean, it was just it was just months ago. So yeah, it's pretty recent. I, I mean, it just popped in my head thinking about it because I was watching that Insta story and I was like, oh man, I've been that where you don't know it's coming and then it hits you and you have there's nothing you can do. I was literally like fighting back tears when I got back on my bus because you don't never like I've never once taken for granted or it's never been lost on me that people spend their money and 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 you know build their whole weekend around these shows and it's important to them and it's 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 never lost on me and that's the only time i've ever had to i've never had to cancel the show is that right let alone walk off in the middle of a song in an arena and um and it it just breaks my heart it it, like it will be made up i hope everybody that was there is listening right now we're gonna make that up but it sucked i'm gonna read this tell me if this is true or not um when you pitched for calvary chapel high's baseball team your senior year you had uh, 0.90 ERA and 130 strikeouts. 0.91 and 133 strikeouts. For those that don't know, uh, that's less than one run a game. Basically, when you went up, there were some games you gave up, gave up no runs. Like the, not even one earned run a game. Now, how mm-hmm. many innings you throw in high school a game? <laughs> Six, seven? I was, so I was 15-0 and 0 that year. Jeez. Well, well, we only played 29 games, and I was 15-0. and 0. So they were strategically trying to place you in as many games as possible. I was starting in the playoffs. I started both games every week, but I just we, we would beat teams so bad exactly. that I would only pitch five innings. And you can pitch 10 a week, even though you only play seven in high school baseball. So I'd pitch 10, and then we'd pull me. I'm sorry, we, I'd pitch five, and then we'd pull me, or I'd pitch five, and we'd mercy rule. Um, Mercy, as we used to Yeah, that's it. That's it. That's what that song was actually about. <laughs> so, are you left-handed or right-handed? Right-handed. Wow, you were that dominant as a right-handed pitcher. I was throwing low nineties, and I was my height and weight as a senior in high school. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I, I think the stat is that it was hundred and thirty-three strikeouts and twenty-one walks. Which you know, you know how many innings pitch you at one thirty-three? You know how many innings pitch you were? Yeah, it was like just under eighty. Good God. It was like 1.7 strikeouts an inning or 1.6 strikeouts an inning. Uh, that's, in, that's an insane ratio. We were, but I mean, like to be fair, um, we, were, we were like ridiculously dominant. We were 28 and one that year. Small private school with 150 kids. I'm sorry, 600 kids, 150 per grade. Um, but we were 17th in the United States. And six guys went on to play Division One baseball in Southern California, they well in California they break up state playoffs into what they call CIF because the state's so big they have to break it up. So in Southern section CIF, um, we won um, over the course of five games. We outscored our opponents fifty nine to one, and the one run was unearned. Our left fielder dropped a fly ball. <laughs> we didn't give up an earned run in CIF that so year. Did you guys win the state championship? So. It doesn't. They don't do that in basketball in in California. If you win CIF, you go on to state. So you but in, the but in baseball, baseball you do that. No. So we won CIF, but there isn't a, a graduation to state unless if unless you're in Division One, and we were like in Division Five AA because it's a small school. So there's no. We went as far as you can go at that. We won the final game twelve to nothing. So you go to play ball at Ole Miss. Mm-hmm. And how are you feeling going into your freshman year? Excited. I mean, um, I got a great scholarship. It's, the, in my opinion, I still think it's the best baseball conference in college baseball. Um, and uh, 
you know, by the time we got to conference play, I was our Saturday starter, which is the number two starter as a freshman, which is fantastic. Um, but I had I had a little shoulder trouble. Um, I won my first two starts. I beat I actually my my first conference start was Vandy. I beat Vandy um, in Oxford, and then the next week we went to Kentucky, and I beat Kentucky. So I'm two and zero in conference, starting on Saturdays as a freshman, which is you know felt pretty good because we were having a pretty average year. You know, the, the win in Kentucky, I was the only one that got a win. Our Friday night guy and our Sunday series. guy both lost, yeah. And uh, and so I'm feeling pretty good. And then the, the the third week, we had LSU at our place. And I got knocked around a little bit. It wasn't that bad, but I think I ended up losing eight to six. Um, and then the following week, I was at Mississippi State. If anybody's ever seen a baseball game there, they're like grilling out in the outfield. They, in Starkville. They, yeah, they yeah. let them park like like Winnebago's in the freaking outfield. It's the craziest thing. They don't thing. cowbell for baseball games, do they? Yeah, yeah. Oh, they do. Cowbell oh, yeah, yeah. I don't know if they're doing it in this. Yeah, no, they do in the stadium too. Yes. Boy, they do have football games. Yeah, yeah. Dear oh, yeah, God. yeah. They're, and they're, it's remarkable because so I'm the Saturday starter. I got knocked out in the first inning. Like I didn't. If I remember right, it went. I walked the first hitter. The next guy, I hit the next guy by the pitch. So it's first and second. The next guy gets a base hit. One run scores, and it's first and third. And I walked the next guy to load him. So I've only given up one run, but I have no outs and the base is loaded. And they pulled me. And, and all, was, those, all those runs are yours too, by the way. They're on the bases. Yeah, and all of them scored. They ended up getting six in the first inning. I was charged for four, four of them. runs, yeah. yeah. So um, when I was warming up for that game, I was getting heckled like crazy. Mississippi State fans are, I mean, that's a big rival. It's a rival, yeah, it's rival. And the bullpen, they're like out there grilling and they're like throwing hot dogs at me and stuff. Like they're, they're pretty, they're pretty ruthless but and then sunday the next day because i didn't throw very many pitches they put me out like got me loose in the bullpen we were losing again on sunday and they all love me now because they like i gave up all those runs so i go out there to warm up they don't know that i'm going they just see me walk out there and i went from the day before they're throwing hot dogs at me to this day they've got like freshly barbecued ribs that they're handing me to eat (laughs) it was the most interesting experience but um so i've won my first two conference starts and then i lost the next two and i i got two relief appearances for in the next two months I barely pitched again. It was what, like they gave up on me. Was it like the team or was your shoulder bothering you? My shoulder point? was bothering me and I was disagreeing with my pitching coach a lot. I think my shoulder was bothering me because you know, I've pitched the same way for years and years and years and he was trying to change mechanics and it was uncomfortable. And it's not a blame game. Um, I, I just think that the combination of everything that was going on was a bad combo. And, uh, and uh, you know, I bounced after that year. I just missed California anyways. I was 18 years old. I grew up at the beach. Now I'm in Oxford, Mississippi. And it's the, it's the one thing... And if you if you follow what I do now, you see how much I talk about Oxford, how much I talk about Ole Miss. It's my one regret. I went to five schools, counting Ole Miss. It's the one place I wish I would have stayed. I don't. I think regret is like a worthless emotion. I don't like it. Um, I think if you made a decision, own it. You're supposed to be where you are now. Um, I wish I would have stayed and finished at Ole Miss. Yeah, I had no idea until I. I knew you played ball. I had no idea that you were that freaking dominant as a high school player i mean that's super elite level stuff there yeah it was i mean the twins and the devil rays called my senior year um it's called like a they call it a pre-draft selection basically they're they have this window before the draft where they're able to call and and get a feel for you know that the questions are like hey if we took you in the sixth round for x amount of money would you because they, they, they knew i was already signed the letter of intent to Ole miss so they know what they're negotiating against yeah and, and I, I mean you know it just didn't feel I'm throwing low 90s. I'm 15 and 0, 0.91 ERA, 100. I led Orange County in everything that year. And Orange County had like Modern Day and Servite and all these huge teams. 
And I'm going, nah, you're lowballing me because I went to a small private school. It doesn't make sense to take the money. So I, I did what I thought was the respectful thing. I told them both not to waste a pick, and they didn't. So I didn't get drafted. Um, and the word definitely gets around when you say that to a couple people. Like, don't, don't waste your money. Don't waste your pick. Um, and, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. But like I said, I don't regret that. I think that was the right decision. The one thing I do kind of regret is that if I wanted to play baseball for a couple of years, I should have probably stayed at Ole Miss. You ever throw the ball now? Yeah, I got uh, after the elbow surgery. Um, I got pretty healthy. I was playing in a men's league in Orange County. I was living in LA and driving down every Saturday to pitch. Were you a ringer in the men's league? Yeah, yeah. I was. I was running it back up, even though I wasn't working out my arm or like playing long toss or throwing during the week. I was running it up to like high eighties, low nineties, which in a men's league is a lot. And I, I, the last the last game I threw, and I, my elbow was pretty sore after this. I ended up throwing a uh, like a nine inning complete game shutout in a men's league. But when you don't work out and you're not like in that kind of shape, my arm was like hanging off oh, my I'm side sure. for like a week. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I mean, I, it was I had just learned a slider before I hurt myself. It wasn't a pitch I used to have, and it just became this dominant, untouchable pitch. And so it was fun to get to bring that back to the men's league at least for a minute. There's a story out about this songwriter named Steve Ronson. I don't know if you saw this. He's taking Lady Gaga to court over Shallow. And this is a three-note progression that he says. It's only three notes that he says that she took from him. Okay, so I want to play these for you and get your thoughts on this. So Ronson has accused Gaga of stealing, again, a three-note progression from his song Almost for the song Shallow. Now, they're going to sound similar, but my question is going to be to you after you hear that. Hear it. Is three notes enough to sue over? Is this vocal melody no, or music melody? Music melody, right? Okay, I'm gonna play them for you. They are going to sound similar. Okay. And and I'll, Mike, here we go. Play me almost from Steve Ronson. Now play me shallow. I'm falling in all. Now, I think we'll agree that, that they do sound So he's over, I'm falling. Yes, that's it. We're going to agree that they do sound the same, but it's only three notes. You didn't, he didn't invent that progression. That was my point too. If it were seven but notes. Can we even prove she's ever heard that song? I've never heard that song. No one has, only like 6,000 listens until. Here, play it again, Mike. This is uh, away. Okay, and here's Lady Gaga again. I'm. Falling. What do you think about this dude suing for three notes? Well, I don't like I don't like, like lawsuits, anyways. Um, even if you have grounds. Um, but don't we have a rule that says is it seven notes? Seven is the understood rule. Like so, you're gonna you're gonna sampling. cut that more than in half and go after it with a song that, um, I, you know. Just, hey, if you're going to go reuse your melody that you can prove you own in a song that people want to listen to. Like, that, like that's the dumbest thing. I've, I just don't like it. I don't like, uh, and this is like going to go back to like kind of my upbringing, my religious beliefs, but like I don't like the lawsuit thing at all. Like just just if if you come into a riff with somebody like that that's in your life, cut them out of your life. But like, to take it to court to blow somebody's life up over it, I don't like that. I just don't like it. It's not, it's not, I don't think that's part of our creative calling. Now, they don't know each other. I know. Right? Okay, so I'm saying, what if uh, some new artist puts a song out and has 11 notes 
and it sounds like freaking in case you didn't know. And it's like, I just bought me a boat. Boy, I'm going fishing, baby. You're going to sue them, right? You know what? There, I think there's a... So to answer your question, yeah, there is a limit. And I think there is a thing. Um, but I still don't like lawsuit. Um, who was it recently? Was it Jake that just gave songwriting credit? Uh, Jack and Diane. So to who? Because... Not to John Mellencamp because he was in on it initially and immediately. Yeah, he had but to did give someone else. He had to, I think so. Mike, we looked but, that but up. I don't it, know about a reason. But, but I think that's what we should do. And if, that does if, it, if you a lot. accidentally step on something, you should go, "Wow, I totally didn't mean to." But would you take X percent? And that is happening with some artists. That's how. Like, why the lawsuit? Hey, you kind of grabbed this. Now, if he did that and she was like, "Nah, sorry, won't give you five percent." Well, then she can go to court. But I think like there's there's some sort of mediation, I think, where you can split up the songwriting or the publishing or however it has to look to make it way easier than a lawsuit. I just don't like that. I'm not sure if he approached her to go, hey, give me 9% or 7% of the song. <laughs> I'm not sure. All I know is that it has gone to court and I wondered your thoughts on three notes. I don't think that's enough. And I don't, and that's this like very like I would naturally go to that escalating progression anyways. If those were the chords, she followed the chords in the song. So nah, nah, nah. that's literally like, what if what if my songwriting buddy played those three on the piano and I heard it and I went, that's dope. Let's write to that. Would I be stealing from Mark Ronson? I would say no because it's only three no's. It's like chord progressions. There are only so many chord progressions. There's no new ones. Right. <laughs> that's it. And so uh, you're going to... And I'll, I'll equate this in my mind. I write jokes and tell jokes as a comedian. Sometimes I have like-minded thoughts as people because we have like minds and we're seeing the same things. Same thing with music. You're, not only are the songs, some of the ideas similar, but again, there are only so many ways to, to, to play a song. That's it. So, my question would be, um, and there's no way to know this, um, but to him, do you actually think she heard your song and stole it? Or are you just looking for a payday? What are you doing? And that I don't know. Mike, let's get him on. See if we can get this guy on. <laughs> uh, let me ask you this. What does making clean country music mean? Man, that's kind of been something that I've tried to keep a part of my brand from the very beginning. I think um, I've always, I've, you probably heard me say this. Um, if there's a 35-year-old mom with a 12-year-old daughter and they're both fans of my music, I don't want anything to occur in on my record, in my songs, or at my live show that makes that mom uncomfortable bringing her daughter out for a mother-daughter night at a Brett Young concert. I don't think that there's anything that we need to say that requires any sort of PG-13 plus rating to get our point across. And, 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 and if we need that, maybe we should become better songwriters. And again, that's not a knock on songwriters that say the stuff. That, that's their brand. They're, they're chasing down a different brand, and I'm fine with that. Um, I've just always wanted to keep mine accessible to everybody. And I, like, I don't see, really see the need to offend or make people uncomfortable in order to go have fun and listen to country music. Is butthole a bad word? Is it a bad word? No. Does, like, should I say that on stage? Probably not. And there's no way you can make that sound good in a song. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a lot of your songs are written about your girlfriend, now wife. Um, so she was on the Get Real podcast with Caroline Hobby, and this is her talking. I don't know if you heard this clip. She talks about how uh, you and her broke up, and you'd been dating six years already, 
And now I would like to play this and get your response to your wife. Okay. Talking about this. Go ahead. He actually messaged me on Facebook and said, hey, you know, I know your roommate is Alexa. And he's like, I'd love to get together. And I'm like, eh. so I went back to my roommate. I'm like, okay, tell me about this guy. I know you've mentioned him. And, and that was before he was Brett Young. Oh, he, yeah. he was just doing probably like little work oh, tape yeah. demos. Oh, yeah. It was it was like MySpace, like playing MySpace music yeah. base. Yeah. So apparently, so you, you guys break up and then she has to hear you on the radio, she says. And then you get, how do you get back together? So, yeah, we were, so that, that clip, by the way, was how we met initially. Okay. Um, I, I, I saw her in pictures with a girl I knew from Newport Beach. They were like college roommates and I happened to be living in Arizona at the time. So I saw this girl that I knew, and I think she's right. It might've even been MySpace. Um, I saw, and I was like, whoa, who is this, who is her roommate? And I, I, I was like the OG sliding into her DMs. That's how we met. Uh, but yeah, we were together for six years and, and uh, the sixth year of that was the first year I lived in Nashville. And then it just was like the distance and the whole thing kind of got in the way. Um, so we were apart for two years and, and, and we were both dating other people and we were not in contact at all. And my relationship went south and it felt like the same way me and Taylor like went south. And I had this like kind of bout of like, insecurity or self-realization where I was like, am I doing this? Because this is blowing up the same way me and Taylor blew up. Am I the problem? And so I reached out to Taylor not to reconnect that way, just to be like, hey, do you have a second? Because I need to like get introspective here and look at myself and figure out if I'm going to forever like sabotage all my relationships. I need to know if it's me. And that conversation that should have been a quick like, yeah, Brett, you're terrible or, <laughs> or no, Brett, it's not you at all turned into like two hours on the phone and, and it turned into I miss you. And I, I like, it feels like I talked to you yesterday and it's been two years and it, you know, it was, it was slow because um, out of respect, I had just broken up with somebody and she was in a relationship. And so we didn't go into like this, we didn't like start this immediate relationship. Um, we had some stuff to figure out, but it was this strange thing of it, we haven't spoken in two years and hearing your voice like feels like home. And how, when you launched onto the scene, how, how confusing was having the same name as another Brett in country music that's around the same age, that's both good looking, both tall guys, <laughs> both, both vocalists. Like how confusing was that for you? <laughs> I mean, it wasn't, I don't think that's that confusing. Brett's not that rare of a name, is it? I Brett, mean, how Brett many? Favre, how, Favre. But how many are there? The, you, you, there's, you guys are very similar in, if you're looking from 10,000 feet up, Good-looking guys, great singers. Oh yeah, we a tall. lot of similarities. Yeah. Do you ever? Did you ever get called Brett Eldridge accidentally? All the time, all the time. I got. I actually got. So here, you'll enjoy this. Uh, <laughs> the very first CMA awards that I went to, I went to the um, after party at Winners and Losers, and I'm I don't have a single out yet. I've just signed my deal, and Brett Eldridge and Chris Young are standing there talking to each other. And I just think I'm hilarious. And I walk up to him and I'm like, dudes, I'm Brett. So good to meet you. I had this idea. We should all go on tour together and call it the Brett Young tour. Like to me, I'm Brett Young. You're Brett Eldridge. You're Chris Young, the Brett Young tour. This sounds like a really funny joke. They both looked straight through me like I was. <laughs> and I'm buddies with both of them now. I mean, this is five years ago. But um, I got a lot of Brett Eldridge tags on social media. And I also got a lot of private messages about people going, what was it like growing up with your brother, Chris? 
And me, I, me and Chris laugh about that all the time too. Cause we're like, you just assumed and went straight to the, like, not are you brothers straight to the, what was it like growing up together? And you guys, that's a pretty common name too. Young. Yeah. yeah I mean, it's yeah, but no, I, I think, um, it, again, it's flattering even though people are just making a mistake, it's flattering to be confused with either of them because they're two of my favorite voices in our, in our genre. All right. Instead of a last meal, you're offered a last song to listen to before it's all over. You get one song. What's your song? Man, that's a tough question. You know what? I sang this at my cousin's grandma's funeral and I was so close to her. Um, Growing up, it was almost like another grandma for me. Um, but if you got, if you ever seen the the movie they did on Mercy Me, um, it's called I Can Only Imagine. Yeah, I can only imagine. I think that's the song. One? one more time. You yeah. sang that at the wedding? Yeah, uh, or no, at her funeral. Her funeral. Yeah. yeah, and 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 uh, that's a, I think that's the only time I've ever been so choked up that I, it was hard to get through. What my eyes will see when you face. Well, I bet that was tough to sing this at a, at a funeral. Sit, sitting next to her coffin. Yeah. You had to sing at a funeral. Yeah, but it was for Just family. I mean, it was a generally 15. Generally, that's tough. I mean, 15 people there, and I wasn't, I'm obviously not going to say no to the family. So um, all your friends hit you up, though, to sing at weddings? Yeah. Like, hey, I'm getting married, or I'm doing this. Will you come sing? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, in case you didn't know, it was kind of put that on my plate a little bit. Uh, but I love that. Like, what's cooler than having a song that people want to attach to the biggest, most important, special day of their life. I mean, obviously we're busy. We I can't just go play every. I can't. I don't want to turn into a wedding singer, but uh, but yeah, I think that's. I mean, that song every single summer has spiked again because it's wedding season and people are people are using it again. So um, yeah, we get that request a lot, and I've done it a handful of times when I've been able to. But um, more than anything, it's just flattering that. It's that song speaks to people so much that it's a part of their wedding day. Have you made any sync money yet? Like commercials take your song? You know, that's a good question. I don't, I think that we've had a handful of offers for it that have been like pretty small and we're kind of precious about that song. So I don't, I don't think we've gone there quite yet. All right. What's the most expensive thing you've ever held in your hands? You didn't say valuable. So you're talking about money? Yeah, expensive. In your in your mind, what's the most expensive thing? I'm gonna wrap up on a few of these questions here. That's actually pretty hard. Um, I held a hundred and sixty thousand dollar watch one time. It was my buddy owned it. You have, uh, a, you have a friend that owns a hundred sixty thousand dollar watch. Yeah, it was like a. <laughs> it was already an expensive watch, and then it was custom done, and the whole face was covered in diamonds. It, uh, beautiful. I would never feel comfortable walking around wearing it because I'd be looking over my shoulder the whole time, but I held it. What is your favorite quote? If you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans. That's a good one. If your life is a movie, at what point will the audience gasp most loudly? <laughs> I would have been baseball when I hurt myself up until life changed so much five years ago. I think when Taylor came back into my life. And that's why, like, oh, gasp. Look yeah, like back. A, like Jim and Pam. Finally, like, I didn't see that happening. Yeah. Oh. Your ideal sleeping conditions? Cold. Yeah, me too. I do. I, I hate to be hot. I'll sleep. How is she? How's her sleeping? She's, luckily, she's always cold. Any other situation but in bed. She wants to be cold in bed at night. 
So it's like we fight over the AC during the day in the house, but then the second we get in bed, we both want it cold. So it's good. Sleeping is good. Well, listen, I'm glad you came by. We've done an hour. We've done an hour. Felt, felt like 10 minutes. It felt like five minutes. Ah, oh, thank you very much. <laughs> Do you remember, I think one of the first times, I think we had met maybe briefly, but I was doing a show in Boston. Yeah, and I you, came and sang and with you, you guys. Out and sang. Yeah, I did you, Let's Get It On. That's right. Yeah, yeah. I was, was, I was, that was staying, way early. What was the name of that uh, venue? Was, the Wilbur. The Wilbur, yep. And I was staying at the W right next door. Yeah. Yep. I was you, on radio tour. You and Jimmy yep. came over. Mm-hmm. And I was like, dude, come out. And you came out and crushed it. That was, was fun. I was doing half comedy, half music. And yeah, you came and annihilated it. And you were so much taller. It had to move my mic up. And I was like, I hate this guy. <laughs> he's awesome. But I hate him, but he's awesome. That was so fun, man. Yeah, it was, uh, it was so early in my radio tour that not only Jimmy Harney, but also Matthew Hargis were both out with me. Like they didn't send regionals. They came strong for radio tour. And uh, we, uh, yeah, that was a blast, man. That was, that was, that was probably five years ago. It's a while. Yeah. yeah it's a while. Well, look at you. You got five number ones in a row. Got your sixth on the way. Got a baby coming. You're still tall. What else do you need? What else do you need? <laughs> I hope I'm not shrinking yet. Holy cow. <laughs> well, listen, I'm, gl- I'm glad you came by, man. Thanks, Bobby. I appreciate it. I was, it, I was really looking forward to this. Always a pleasure. Uh, and your, what is your Instagram app? You don't have Brett, Brett Young straight, do you? Brett Young Music. Uh, that's what I thought. I knew it was something other than just Brett. There's a guy named Randall Young in California that has Brett Young on Instagram. You tried to buy it. Yeah, tried. Doesn't respond. I've tried to buy Bobby Bones too. Can't get it. It doesn't even use it. No. Just occasionally. Like, we have it. Why does Randall Young have Brett Young? He has the website, too, brettyoung.com. I have brettyoungmusic.com. Oh, he does. He has the website and the Instagram. Randall Young, whoever you are, you're from my hometown, and you don't use it, and your name's not Brett. What are you doing? And you've offered him cash for, or for We've both? We've gone through GoDaddy to try to reach out to him, and we get no response. What does he use it for? No, like, it doesn't. It's not even live. He's just squatting. If on you it? go look right now, there's multiple Brett Youngs, but the one that has the straight up Brett, it's not a thing. Mike's looking. He's at looking now. right now. I know. Well, there we go. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's nothing, huh? Nothing. If I can get this for you, you'll sing at my wedding. Okay. I'm not even. Have, I don't even have a girlfriend, so we're a long. I was going to say, do I need to match make for you first, or <laughs> you, don't, you don't have anybody for me? <laughs> I'm. I'm a lost cause. <laughs> I was too, but look at me now. Yeah, look, you're tall though. You know, you're, I'm a lost cause. Okay, when I get brettyoung.com for you, that is a deal we have. You will sing at my wedding. You got to get me the website and the Instagram. Hey, that's all. I'm not getting either one of them, so it's an easy deal to make. (laughs) (laughs) All right, there we go. Episode 194, Brett Young. Thanks, bud. Thanks, man. Okay, um, Brett left. We are doing a fact check on things from the podcast. So this is not part of Brett being here. This is me coming after I walk Brett out the door. All right, Mike D, what's the fact check? So the thing was about Akon. Okay. He actually does own a diamond mine in South Africa yeah. and a lighting company. And he has like a net worth of $80 million. Wow. So Brett was right. Yeah. The Akon. I has... had no idea about that. He had that like right when he was getting into music. He went and bought a diamond mine. I do like the fact that we were doing a fact check segment at the end of the podcast as well. Yeah. Um, okay. Anything else to fact check? The other thing he mentions, Jake Owen, like paying a songwriter and the I Was Jack. I found nothing on that. Okay. So I don't think, maybe he had somebody different in mind or he knows something we don't know. Could be both. Okay. Or we could just all be wrong. Okay. Sometimes when you're just talking with, with no, you know, we weren't prepped on that. He nor me, we were just talking. That's a good thing about the podcast, but also um, I, I'm wrong a lot of times because of that too. So, okay. So we have nothing on that. Yeah. Anything else? That was it. All right. Thank you, everybody. This festival and concert season will be all about the boots, and Tacova's is your stop before attending your next concert. All Tacova's boots are made by hand 
in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. Stop by your local Tecovis store. Have a complimentary drink. Shop new styles. If you can't make it to a store, just visit Tecovis.com. T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. You can probably spell it. You probably know it. Tecovis.com. Find your new favorite pair of boots today. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. This is the year to stop overpaying for your family plan. So choose a straight talk wireless family plan. Unlimited data, talk, and text on a reliable 5G network. And you can get a new line starting at $25 per line per month for four lines, plus taxes and fees and no contracts. That's good decision making. Available at Walmart and on straighttalk.com. Family plan discount with four lines, all on the silver unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount. In times of traffic, your data may be temporarily slower than other traffic. Video streams at up to 480p. 